Amen. That's good. Amen. Um, so, please, can everyone just say, Welcome back, Papa? <laughs> at least say it like you mean it and say it with a smile, at least. Uh, Papa, we missed you. <laughs> we hope you missed us as well. <laughs> Amen. It's, it's always a good thing to have, you know, uh, Papa amongst us. You know, Papa, we definitely missed your presence last week. Even the church, of, the church in Lynchburg missed your presence last week because they were all asking, when is Papa coming? So they definitely missed your presence. Amen. Our Father, we bless your name and we thank you for who you are. You are our source, the very essence of our being. You are everything to us. You are the reason we wake up each day in joy and in peace, even though storms are all around us. You still keep us in peace. Father, we thank you. We ask in the name of Jesus that only your voice shall be heard and only your thoughts shall be made known. Nobody is here for the thoughts of man. Nobody is here for that. We are all hungry for you and for your word. So, Father, if there is anything in this vessel that would turn people away from you, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you take it away. But we know, Lord, that you will only give us bread. You will not give us a serpent. You will not give us a stone. Because we are your children. So, Father, we commit it all into your hands. And have your way, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I honor the papa of this house, um, Pastor Carmen. I honor you, sir. You know, it's not every church that you have the opportunity to minister the word. But um, here, he gives each and every one of us that opportunity. Um, I honor the leadership of this church. God bless you. you know, God honor you. I've always made the mistake of saying, God bless you, sirs. And um, I have to remember to say, God bless you, ma. <laughs> so, uh, God bless you, leaders. Um, and please turn to your neighbor and say, ah, God bless you. God bless you greatly. You are my brother, you are my sister, and God looks good on you. Because he lives in you. He lives in you. Amen. 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 So, those of us that are aware, this year we've been treating the topic of prayer. And the focus has been the Lord's prayer. The Lord's prayer. We began a new series last week on forgiveness. And by the grace of God, today we are going to be speaking on eternally forgiving. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am eternally forgiving. And so are you. 
I am eternally forgiven. And so are you. Now, before we go on, just try to try to explain what is forgiveness. What is forgiveness? When you hear the word forgiveness, what first comes to mind? Forgiveness implies that a transgression has occurred. In other words, an offense has occurred. But at the same time, forgiveness doesn't, does not necessarily mean an offense or a moral failure. What do I mean? For example, when someone owes an institution and then you talk about debt forgiveness, it's not necessarily that a moral failure had occurred. It's just that you owe something. So someone is being owed something. So when we speak of forgiveness, it speaks of a debt. The, the, the letting go of a debt. Letting go of something owned. It could be an apology. It could be a material thing, a material possession. But it is letting go. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to let go. It's time to let go. That offense is time to let it go. Yes, yes. Turn to your neighbor and say, that offense, it's time to let it go. Now, the big question, the big question is, what are we forgiving of? What are we forgiving of? Matthew chapter 6 verse 12 says this in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts, even as we forgive our debtors. But then Luke chapter 11 verse 4 says, Forgive us our sins, even as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And when you study the Greek words, don't worry, I'm not going to give you the Greek words. You don't, it's, it's, I mean, you wouldn't go around saying them anyway. You would like to say them. <laughs> But the word used for debts in the first scripture, which is Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, is different from the word used for sins. It's different. So in other words, you see that everything within the scripture is written for a reason. So you are not just forgiving of sins, but you are also forgiving of debts. So there is a letting go of trespass. And also a letting go of something being owed. So we need to ask our question, what is sin? So sin is to fall short from a mark that has been set. There is a standard that has been placed. But you don't match or meet up to that standard. There is a measuring rod. But you, for some reason are not able to be compared to that measuring rod. You can't meet up to that standard. That's why the verse, Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So in other words, the standard is what? The glory of God. 
The standard is the glory of God, not the glory of man. So you don't compare yourself to other people. You don't look at other people. You don't judge yourself by other people. But you look at the glory of God. That is the standard. And when we as a people start looking at that standard, this is not my topic, but I don't know. When we start looking at that standard, things like competition, jealousy, all those things would fall flat because you are not looking at others. You are, you, you've got your eyes on the glory of God. You see, we can limit ourselves by judging and comparing. Now, I'm going to use this because I don't want it to seem like I'm pointing fingers. So, I'll use praise and worship. If, if, if you say that because you worship for three hours, you are more spiritual. Or because you sound good, you are more spiritual. You are joking though, you are kidding yourself. Do you, do you think that the song... Do you think that God says, ah, man, I've never heard tunes like that. He's, he's doing it well. Do you think God says that? Do you think God, I mean, angels worship at his presence, right? And they don't miss a tune. <laughs> you can't please perfection. You can't please perfection. Can't please perfection. So you do not look at people. Neither do you try to. Please don't be intimidated by anyone. Do not be intimidated. Turn to your neighbor and say, You are a son of God, and so am I. You might be gifted, but so am I. You might be a singer, but I might be a prayer, a prayer warrior. Don't look down on me. I didn't look, I didn't, don't look down on me. You are born of the Spirit, and so am I. You are the Son of the Father, and so am I. Don't intimidate me. We are all moving towards the glory of God. So to sin is to fall short of that mark. Remember, we spoke about the trespass and we spoke about something being owed. So what are we being owed? The debt we owe is as a result of sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. Romans chapter 6 verse 23. The wages of sin is death. In other words, for every sin, a debt is owed. And that debt is death. Remember, it's not, it doesn't say the wages... Of God because of sin is death. 
But it says, the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? Someone falls short of the mark of the glory of God. It could be through anything. Now, I'm not going to use... Uh, the reason why I'm not using what you typically think of is because we have to stop thinking like that. So that's why I'm not saying anything. But you fall short of the glory of God. What happens? The wage of that thing, of falling short, the wage... In other words, the payment that is required is a death. So in other words, immediately you fall short, you owe something. And what is that owing? Death. You owe something. And what do you owe? Death. So what is the origin of sin? We'll get back to that now. Romans chapter 5 verses 12 to 14. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. Romans chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. Let's read it together. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin. In this way, death spread to all men, because all sinned. In fact... Sin was not in the world before the law. But sin is not charged to one account when there is no law. Can you all thank Moses now? Sin was, read again. Sin was not in the world before the law. But sin is not charged to one's account where there is no law. That is the reason why Abraham was accounted what? As a righteous man. He lied. Uh, sister here is my sister. I don't know her from anywhere, only that we are sisters. We are brother and sister. And because of that lie, a man who ruled in the kingdom began to be tormented with sickness, he and his household, because of that lie. But you see here, it wasn't charged to Abraham's account because there was no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin in the likeness of Adam's transgression. So you see, Adam, when he sinned, there was no law. But God told him, don't eat of the fruit. And then he did it willingly. So you would see here that there were those people who did not sin in the likeness of Adam. Because even in Adam's house, there were some people that were still called righteous. Why? Hebrews 10. Righteous Abel. Righteous Abel. I'm going somewhere. So in verse 12, we see that sin and death entered the world through one man and spread to all men. Sin was in the world, but sin was not counted till the law was established. And there are people who did not sin Adam's type of sin. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses because it came through Adam. So we see here that the important factor is this law. 
is the law. What is the law? What is the origin of this law? To understand the origin of the law, we must first appreciate types and shadows. Types and shadows. Turn to your neighbor and say, types and shadows. So when I say type, I will say, this is a type of tablet. There are many types. It's a type. But then if I look and say, this one, the one that came before it, is a type, is a shadow of the newer version. Right? Is a shadow of the newer version. So that's what you mean by types and shadows. The scriptures are just filled with it. What do I mean? Earlier today, we spoke about Agar and Sarah. Agar was a type of the law. Sarah was a type of the promise. Last week, we spoke, and our papa helped interpret of Abraham, his son, looking for a bride. And then the priest, the, 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 the servant, went to look for that child. Look for the bride for his child. The servant wasn't named. The servant, his name in actuality, because we saw his name today, is Eliezer. His name means comforter. He wasn't named there because the Holy Spirit does not speak of himself. He only speaks of the son. So he goes to look for a bride for the son. The Holy Ghost. The son. A type of Christ. See, types and shadows. Just in that story, 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 once upon a time, <laughs> in that short story, we see the Lord revealing the plan of salvation. Types and shadows. So they are everywhere. They are everywhere. But because we want to understand the origin of the law, the types and shadows that we are much more in interested in is when the law was given. When the law was given. Now, you can go home and study Exodus chapter 32 from verses 1 to 28. Exodus chapter 32 from verses 1 to 28. This was the first time the law was given. When Moses was on the Mount Sinai, they had just come out of Egypt. You find out that on this particular season, which is called Pentecost, the nation of Israel was born. So on the first Pentecost, which is called a Feast of Weeks, a Feast of Weeks because you're having a week of weeks there. What do I mean? A week of weeks, a festival of week of weeks. Seven weeks after the Feast of Harvest, you have the Feast of Pentecost. Feast of First Fruits. First fruits, you have the Feast of Pentecost. Israel was birthed as a nation. This occurred seven weeks after the exodus of Egypt. And then, to ratify that covenant, the Ten Commandments was given. To show you types and shadows, just at that point in time too, 3,000 Israelites died. They died. Now we come to the New Testament. That was a shadow of the new. We come to the New Testament. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 41. Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 41. We know the scripture, right? It says, 
and on the day of, when the day of Pentecost came, there came a mighty rushing wind. But we see there that the church of Jesus Christ was born. This occurred seven weeks after the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. Which is called, also called, if you've, if you've gone to the scriptures, Paul calls it the first fruits. Also, rather than the law, the Holy Ghost was given. And then, three people received the life of Christ. 3,000 people received the life of Christ. You can see, one speaks of death. One speaks of life. One speaks of the law. One speaks of the spirit. Why do you think Paul said, as many as are led by the spirit? These are called the sons. Not led by the law, but led by the spirit. The Israelites were meant to be ruled by the law. And the law was also called the law of sin and death because a death was always required. But the church of Jesus Christ is meant to be ruled by the Holy Ghost. And he is our law. That's why he said, I will put their law in their hearts. He is the one that rules us. And that law is also called the law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God. These are called the sons of the living God. So why are we forgiven from sin? Let's remember, forgiveness of sins and debts. We receive a forgiveness from sins and debts. Sin, the trespass, and the debt is the death. In Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11, Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11, we see that the life of all flesh is in the blood. And in verse 14, it talks about the blood making an atonement for the soul. The blood making an atonement for the soul. Even in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 19, it talks about the payment being his blood. In other words, his blood atones for our soul. It atones for our soul. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12, verses 14, and verses 17 to 18. Let's read that together. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12, verses 14, and verses 17 to 18. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 12. But he, having offered... One sacrifice for sins for all time sat down at the right hand of God. But this man, 
after offering one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, he did the work. And you know when a man sits down and crosses his leg, like I wish I could video fast for one. <laughs> it means it's done. It's done. It's finished. Let's look at verse 14. I'm jumping because we don't have time. By that one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Raise up your hand and say, if you are born again, raise up your hand and say, I am perfected forever because he has sanctified me. I am perfected forever because he has sanctified me. And the thing is, as I said, we need to, there, there is a need to retune the way we think. There is a need because having been students of Moses for a very long time, for a very long time, rather than being led by the spirit that we, he has given us, and mind you, the spirit will never lead you into error. The spirit, you won't say, okay, I'm no longer under the law, I'll do whatever I want. If you think that way, that means you are not saved. You need to sit down with one of the ministers in the house so that we go through the scriptures and make sure that that wants to, to do anything you want to do, needs to go. Because he will always lead you in the light of his son. Why do you think Paul said, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are expedient? If you see a man, let's say a man is sitting down on the floor and then he's like, oh, I'm a, and then he's begging. He's begging for things on the street. And then all of a sudden someone comes to meet him and says, is your name John? He said, yes. We've been looking for you. We've been looking for you. We've been searching. One of your relatives died and he left you a big inheritance. You are now a multi-billionaire. Do you think in the next two seconds you'll still be sitting down there? Why? He has all of a sudden realized his new stature. Right? Now, if he goes back to sit down there the next two seconds and says, I miss, <laughs> I miss my customs. <laughs> if he does that, you'd say there's something wrong. Now, see what Jesus has done for you. He's telling you the riches. He's saying the life that I used to live on the earth, is that's, that's the same life that's inspiring you now. He's letting you know that you do not have to be restricted by the law, but now you can be led by the Spirit of God. Why do we still go back? Why does that always look attractive to us? Why? Because we are in a world system where we definitely have to struggle for everything. You know, that was one of the reasons why the curse came into existence. You know, you know that was one of the, that's what the curse is really. Because think about it. God prepared the, uh, the garden of Eden. And then he created Adam. Go there. Everything is yours. Now, if God had made Adam before he made all those things and said, you have to deserve everything I'm going to give you. 
then we can say, that is God's way. But no. He created everything and then said, Adam, take. You see this consistent character of God. Abraham did not do anything to deserve. He only believed and that was accounted to him as righteousness. What did David do to inherit the kingdom? What did Saul do, even Saul? What did he do to inherit the kingdom? You keep seeing this in the consistent character of God. And that's why Jesus comes. Someone says they need healing. What does he do? The first thing he does. Your sins are forgiven. Rise up, take your bed and walk. Did they ask for the forgiveness of sins? No. That is what a gift is. A gift is given without you asking for it. A gift is given without you asking for it. I'm going to try and round up. If you go through verses 17, it talks about him not being mindful of their sins and their lawless deeds forever. If you just go through that, he will no longer be, not that he will not remember, because God can remember. He, he just wouldn't count it. You will not be mindful of it. Because like it or not, in a short burst of anger, we've messed up. So, we all mess up. We make mistakes. We misjudge people. But even in that act, it's not that you wake up and say, I'm going to do whatever I want. No. That's not acceptable. I mean, God will forgive you. But you'll be held accountable. If someone here goes and says they want to steal, after all, God will forgive me. Yes, God will forgive you. But by the special grace of Almighty God, the American cops will find you. They will target you. <laughs> and if anyone calls pastor, pastor will say, uh, what, did you do anything? <laughs> Okay, stay there. <laughs> I'll, I'll come and visit you at the appropriate quarters. <laughs> so he will not be mindful of it. Why? Because it has been paid for. But there are consequences for actions that we take. There are consequences. And also in verse 18, you see, an offering for sins is no longer needed because we have received forgiveness. And this establishes the eternal nature of the price that has been paid. Can someone just raise up their hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we see here. That that price that has been paid, covers 
sins. And it also covers the result of sin. I'm rounding up. Romans chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. I should be finished in the next five minutes. Romans chapter 5, verses 15 to 17. 15 and 17. So 15 says, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if by one man's trespass, the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift overflowed to the many by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ? So it's not just you on your own. It is you in Christ that makes you benefit from the grace. Verse 17. Since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, through Adam, how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign, through, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? For us to reign in life, you have to benefit from the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness is the same as the gift of no condemnation. But that is only found in forgiveness. Recognizing that you can't do anything to hurt God because the punishment for that thing has already been inflicted on Christ Jesus. Remember, forgiveness, you don't beg for forgiveness. You can't beg. Uh, in the court of law, because it's, it's really a law thing, when you commit a crime, no matter how much you beg, do you think the, the judge will be moved by you begging? No. Moved by argument and the facts. Even if you cry, no. If you are guilty, they will make sure that you pay the, the, the price. But you see, here, we all were found guilty. And that price was definitely paid. But it was paid for by one man. The wages of sin was paid for by the death of Christ. By his blood, which is better than the blood of bulls and goats. If a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and all things have been made new. All things. Think about it. Whatever it might be, that is, it, is it really? Can that be made new? Yes. It's as long as it can be qualified as all. It is all. Forgiveness can only be received. Even in the book of Acts chapter 26, when Paul was making his testimony, when Jesus was speaking to him, he said, go and preach, make known to them that they might receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance that is found amongst those that have been sanctified. It is the gift of no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh? What is the flesh? Jesus answers that question in John chapter 3 verse 6. He says, 
Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. The flesh, the old nature. The one who is ruled by the law. There is now, therefore now no condemnation. This forgiveness is the gift of righteousness. The believer cannot walk in the boldness of righteousness until he or she is sure and confident of his right standing with God. No one can stand in boldness. You want to know the difference between a powerful ministry and one that has lost the power of God. It is the boldness. You're shorty in the fact that you have been forever forgiven. And you know that it is his life within you that helps you to do everything that you do. Because it is God that makes us both to will and to do of his exceeding pleasure. That is why he says, work out your salvation. You don't work for it. You work it out because it is the life of God that motivates you to please him. No one here is pleasing to the father outside of the son. It is the son that pleases the father. And then we being in the son are pleasing to him. It is not anything you do, not anything I do. But it is his life in us that makes the difference. The law is not our measure. Christ is. And those that are in him are eternally covered by the price that he alone paid. This is the gift of eternal forgiveness. Let's just raise up our hands and thank the Lord for what he has perfected in us.